Shall we begin? Let's begin now. All right, folks. Welcome back to a brand new episode of the Frankly Francisco podcast. Um, I have been off for a while um, dealing with one of the hardest things I've ever had to do in my life, which was um, watch my mother take her last breath. Um, my mother, Rufus Stella, passed June 7th at 9.43 at night. Um, I held her hand as she took her last breath, and it has been a surreal experience ever since. Um, it has pretty much left me um, scarred a little bit, um, watching somebody's light extinguish from their body, then having to bury her a week later and knowing that it'll be the last time I, you know, see physically see her. Uh, I've took some time off of work. Uh, I was off for two weeks. It's never enough time um, to heal. It's never enough time to get back to how things were. And it's going to take a long time before that ever happens again. And not being able to hear her voice anymore, you know, her sending me messages and her telling me how much she loved me and how, how proud she was I am of the man I am and the father that I am is going to be one of the hardest things because, you know, you look forward to those things. Sometimes it's not the big things that matter, it's the little things. My mom had a unique way of dealing with her kids. I'm one of two other brothers. I'm the middle. I have my older brother, my younger brother, and she had a certain relationship with each of us in her own own way. You love your kids all the same, but you love them different at the same time because your relationships are not going to be the same because it's all different personalities. I have a lot of stuff that my mom, a lot of the personality that my mom had, strong-willed. Um, I like to be my own boss. I don't like people telling me what to do a lot of the times unless it's necessary, like a job. But with me, I was always independent. I was always that kid that was going to go out and do my own thing and not have to worry about, you know, what anybody's opinion was about it. And I think that's why me and my mom got along so well, because we made decisions for ourselves and for our family that was going to be the best in the long run. Um, and it just, it hurts. The pain I feel right now, the sorrow I feel right now is it's healing because I know she's in a better place. My mom was in, in constant pain and she never wanted to be hooked up to machines. And when I saw her hooked up those, those machines, I knew that's not what she wanted. So at four o'clock in the morning is when I got to Ohio. I had left the day before Thursday, drove all night to be by her side, got there at four o'clock in the morning. She was still under sleeping. She didn't see me till in the morning time. And when I got there, she stared at me when, when she woke up and just stared at me for a little while and just kept staring. She couldn't talk. My mom couldn't talk. All she could do is, you know, give me her expressions with her eyes and just look at me, look at, you know, looking at her son. You know, I, I, I made it all the way down there and I flew down there, left my family behind because I had to be with her um, because we didn't know what was going on. And when that morning, when the doctor came in, she felt it was time to go. My brothers weren't there. My uncle wasn't there. My aunt wasn't there. She saw my face and stared at me and 
as soon as the doctor came in, she pointed at her mask, pointed at me, pointed at the doctor, and she wanted it off. That mask was the only thing that was keeping her alive because she wasn't getting oxygen. And at that point, I had to tell my mom, we need to wait for my brothers to get here, for my uncle to get here, your brother to get here, and my aunt to get there so we can, you know, everybody can be around her. But at that moment, she just didn't care. She she saw me there and she just wanted it done. And to me, she waited for me. In my heart, it'll always be that she waited because the minute she could have done that any time. But as soon as she saw me, she knew, you know, she I made it there for her. And once everything came off of her and the family was there, it was just a matter of time. And the clock slowly rolled down. And it's one of the most terrifying things in the world because you just see it heartbeat going down, heartbeat going down. They didn't know if it was going to be hours or days. And it ended up being that same night, Friday night at 9.43. And now all I have is memories of her and her voice. Because unlike my father, when he passed when I was 11, technology wasn't there yet. I don't even remember what my father sounds like. I have plenty of pictures of him. I just, his voice is a memory that's buried deep down somewhere where I just don't remember. But my mom, I have plenty of recordings of her. I'm always going to be able to look at her voice, hear her voice, look at her videos that she sent me, uh, better times. So I have that memory where her voice is going to be with me for the rest of my life, as long as I'm here. As we, you know, you folks know, I grew up in New York City. Um, my mom was a tough cookie then when she moved from Puerto Rico to New York. And she raised us the best way she could after my dad died and she moved us to Cleveland, Ohio, because she thought that would be the better situation for us. And it was. Without my mom moving us there, I wouldn't be who I am and where I am because New York City would have swallowed me up like the rest of a lot of my family members that ended up in jail or deceased. Uh, and those are the choices that were made. And I think it was the best choice that she made. My mom was no saint. <laughs> my mom was no saint. She would she would tell you she loves you one minute and tell you to shut the F up the next minute. But that's who my mom was. She was a strong personality. And my mom had unique relationships with, with everybody. She can love you to death and she would do anything for you if she could. But if you betrayed her, she'd cut you off like you never even existed. And that's a lot of that stuff, uh, how I am, I get that from my mom too. We can be friends for years, but if you F up, I cut you off like you don't exist, just like, uh, you know, I cut family off like they don't exist either. It's not hard for me. And I got a lot of that from my mom. My mom was very quirky when it came to certain things. My mom was never an affectionate person like that when I was younger is because she didn't get that affection herself when she was younger from her mother. But my mom tried, you know, my mom tried and she would bite us <laughs> when she used to see us, she would bite her cheek. And my mom would show us affection in the way she would uh, feed us. Even now, even when um, I was going to see her before she got really sick, she would cook. And my sick as she was, she would still get up and she would cook, knowing that we were coming to Cleveland, driving from here. And I've been in South Carolina for almost five years now. And every time she would go there, she would cook. The kids, she'd be so excited to see her grandkids and she would make food. And as it's, it's tired and as sick as she was, she, that's how she showed her affection. And I do the same thing. You know, the, my mom used to feed us off her plate 
when we were younger and I'm, my kids are grown. My, my oldest is 16. I got two 14 year olds and I still, if I'm eating something, I'll still give them something off my plate. I, I don't know why I do that, but that's my way of showing them affection as well. And my mom used to tell me, make sure you let your kids know that you love them because sometimes we forget how to be affectionate with our kids because we're so worried about doing our things. And you already know how it is, how we were treated as kids. Grandparents don't treat grandkids like that. It's a completely different world. They're more affectionate. They're more loving. That's what a grandparent is supposed to do. And that's what my mom did with the kids. But she always reminded me, let your kids know that you love them. You can discipline them. You can ground them, but let them know you actually love them. Tell them you love them. And that's what I, I tried to do as much as I can. And as grown as I am, you know, last time my mom was able to, to stand around and, and walk and talk, you know, she'd give me a hug and then she'd bite the side of my face. <laughs> and she'd do that with the kids too. You know, it's tough. You always have good and bad memories. You know, it wasn't perfect with my mom. My mom had her issues and... You know, there were times where she just wasn't there. Um, but I think that's every parent. Every parent has those times where they weren't there. You know, there was a time where she left and she left to Ohio. She left to start working over there so she can give us a better better life. But as a kid, I didn't understand it. As a kid, I'm like, where's my mom? Why did she leave? You know, I, she, she could have got a job here, but she went to Ohio to set stuff up for us, for us to be able to live a better life than we were living in a city, you know, and I didn't understand at the time, you know, it was just had my uncle there helping raise us while she was gone. And it was different. It's different not having your mom around uh, when you're a kid as to oppose now, because the older I got, you know, you don't, as a kid, you don't value those things that your sacrifices that your parents made, but I do. I know what my mom did. I know the sacrifices she made to put us in a better position growing up. And the way things ended up for me, a lot of those were my own choices. It wasn't the choices she made. She put the tools in front of us to be somewhere where we knew we could be, but we make the choices to be where we are now. Um, and I've worked very hard to get myself where I am. But a lot of that has to do with the will that my mom instilled in us not to let anybody get in our way when it comes to doing that stuff. And I'm trying to pass that on to my kids. Uh, it hurt deeply when she when she passed. And my mom's been sick for a long time. And she was sick for a long time. And, you know, we were so used to it. You know, she used to tell us all the time, I don't know if it's going to be my last, you know, my last night or my last day. And, you know, we would just brush it off because we heard it for 20 years. And then when it finally happens, you're kind of prepared for it. But then you're not because I was there, you know. My brothers left because they doctors told them, and I don't blame my brothers for not being there. The doctor told them it can be hours or it can be days. And she didn't last the night. She didn't last the night. And my brothers had gone and it was just me, my uncle and my aunt. And I'm glad my two brothers wasn't there because they got to be around her um, all the time because they lived in Ohio. I don't. So to be there with her, to hold her hand in those final moments, as devastating as it is, it's one of those things that I can keep with me for the rest of my life, knowing that I was by her side holding her hand and knowing that she's resting now and, you know, she's in a better place. My mom was frail. Her hands were so thin and see-through, you could see the bones in her hand. You know, 
her face didn't look the same. She, she couldn't speak because of the tube. Previous two weeks, she had a, she was incubated and had a tube down her throat, so it might have affected the way she was speaking. My mom was special, and she was special for a lot of reasons. She was special because she devoted her life uh, as she got older. She changed her life. She devoted her life to, to, to Christ. And she got really involved in her church. Um, and she felt such joy with that. She would volunteer at the church in the kitchen. My mom could throw down in the kitchen, boy, I tell you. She volunteered in the kitchen. She was a deacon for her church. She enjoyed it. You know, she took Christ into her heart and yeah, and she really lived that life, but she knew she was a sinner too. Cause like I told you, my mom would tell you, I love you. And she'll wish good things for you, but she'll tell you to F off if you got on her nerves. That's just the way my mom was. My mom wasn't fake. She wasn't one of these fake religious people that acted like they were pious and you know, they never did anything wrong. My mom would tell you she's a sinner. She tried, she'd do her best to live up to being a good Christian. But my mom knew my mom made mistakes. My mom cussed a whole lot. My mom cussed worse than a sailor. English and in Spanish. But it's one of those things where, you know, I have more good memories with my mom than bad memories. Now, there's some stuff that's locked away down there, but my mom brought a lot of us joy. You know, I traveled with my mom. I took my mom a lot of places when, you know, on vacation with her. And she went to a lot of places with us, you know, took her to the Grand Canyon, which was on her bucket list. My mom taught me resilience because when my dad died, I was depressed for two years and I didn't know how to process it. I was 11 as a kid and my mom did everything she could to make sure that we had a good life. And my mom never got over my father dying. My mom was with never with another man thinking about it. My mom passed at the age of 66. I was 11 years old. My father died. I'm going to be 44. My mom was, was never with another man after my dad died. That's how much she loved in, in my father. That's the only man that she's ever loved. So some of the good things I could say my mom did for me was she never brought somebody around me that could hurt us, uh, that could do stuff to us that, you know, it would just devastate her. She was fiercely protective over her kids, fiercely. The same way she was fiercely protective over her grandkids, especially my grand, especially her granddaughter, my daughter. She's loved her grandkids. That's what gave her strength in her last couple of years that she was struggling to be strong because the pain my mother went through in her life, you know, the doctors told her firsthand that most men would blow their head off because of that pain. And my mother persevered through it. She was so strong and it amazed me of the strength and the pain that she went through on a daily basis. And she did it because she knew her kids were grown. Her kids were grown. Her job was done. We're all in our 20s. Every one of us was in her 20s already. She's grown, but then when I started having kids, she found a new purpose. Her grandkids. Her grandkids gave her strength. Her grandkids gave her life. You know, the joy she got from laughing with them and joking with them and just how, you know, how crazy the, the relationship is between grandparents and grandkids. I had to admire it. Because she was so sick a lot of the time. Sometimes she couldn't even talk. There'd be days where she couldn't answer the phone because she'd be sleeping half the day away. You know, my I give credit to my younger brother because, you know, he, he stayed in the, the house with her and he helped her 
take care of her, you know, because I have my own family. I have a wife, I have kids, you know, and I begged my mom. I begged my mom when I moved down to the Carolinas to come with us. But my mom had her own little empire. Her house was her empire. That was her space. She didn't want to be a bother to anybody, even though I told her you wouldn't be a bother. But my mom was that headstrong, and she just wanted to make sure that everybody had their own space, and she wanted to be able to do whatever she wanted without anybody telling her any different. And I think that kind of affected her a little bit, too, at the same time, because the grandkids weren't there. Because when we were living there, it was easiest for us to go there. We can go there on the weekends. I would drop the kids off on Sundays so she can go to church with them. So she used to see them a lot. But once we moved, we probably went back to Ohio maybe twice a year at the most once because it's a different life down here. And the only regret I really have about my mother is that she never got a chance to come here and see the house. She never got a chance to come spend time here in the Carolinas with us in uh, the house that we have down here because she got really, really sick the last couple of years and she wasn't able to travel uh, the way that she would normally do. And it's it's one of those things that's going to bug me for a long time because she didn't get to see the things that we achieved. But she knew, though, you know, one of the last recordings I have of my mother um, and it, it makes me choke a little bit is because she told me herself in her own voice that she wasn't good at the emotional stuff. She wasn't good at the emotions of telling and just being open with how she feels. But she told me herself that she loved me and she was proud of the husband I am and the father that I am and the sacrifices that I made for my kids. And that recording is going to be with me for the rest of my life. And she told me not to come down to Cleveland. And the last time that she was fully aware and awake, told me not to come to Cleveland because if she if it was going to be that bad, she would I'd be the first phone call she makes. She didn't get to make that phone call because she couldn't talk. My brothers had to let me know what was going on. And without hesitation, I, I drove down there. In the span of a month, I went to Cleveland with the family. This is when she was sedated and couldn't communicate with her, but I was there with her. Uh, we had to come back. Then, again, uh, a week later, had to drive down again. Uh, this is when my mom passed on uh, July 7th. And then we had to come back. We had to go back home and then come back a week later to bury my mom uh, on that Monday. And the funeral was on that Sunday. We all wore white to honor my mother. You know, friends and, and family came out. Her church family came out. It's one of those uh, surreal moments when you see them in the casket and it doesn't look like them. Her hands were cold. Her face didn't look anything like my mother. It's, it hurts. It really does. Because all I ever wanted was for my mom to live a happy and healthy life. And to this day, I feel like she lived a, a full life, but she lived with a lot of pain. And it's tough to get over that. It's tough to get over that, but I know it was for the best. She's in a place where the pain is not there anymore for her. And I can heal slowly, but I hurt for my kids. Because out of my brothers, I'm the only one that has, has children. 
And my mother was looking forward to coming down and see my son walk across that stage when he graduates high school in two years. She was looking forward to seeing my daughter turn 16. And I knew my mom knew something was wrong uh, because she gave my wife a charm for my daughter last year to give it to her and tell her, make sure that she gets this when she turns 16 because she wasn't sure if she was going to be around for it. Um, and my mom knew because she wanted to make sure that nobody took it out of the house and she she got it so that she knows that grandma loves her and grandma was thinking about her. And it's hard sometimes when you don't, when you're not there, you're out of sight, out of mind sometimes. And that's how it used to be with me and my mom because I'm not there and, you know, she's not here. Sometimes it'd be out of sight, out of mind. Sometimes I wouldn't talk to my mom for a month. And it's not because I didn't want to talk to her. It's just because we had the same mentality. We had our own problems we were dealing with. But, you know, 66 was too young for my mom to pass. She had so many problems. My mom didn't want to stay hooked up to machines. She didn't, you know. There's some important milestones in my life that I'm glad I got to share with my mother turning 18, turning 16, 21, having my first child, having my last child. My mom was around for all of it. She got to meet all her grandkids. She got to spend time with all her grandkids. She was the most reliable person when it came to having somebody there for those kids besides my wife because my wife is with them every day. And my mom, it took a long time for my mom to, you know, moms always think they know what's best and sometimes they're wrong. And my mom was wrong on this one. You know, there was a time where she didn't like my wife uh, because she thought she was breaking up a home, happy home, but there was no happy home there. Uh, you know, the mother, my, the birth mom, my older three, uh, she, we had broken up and then I met my wife and my, my mom didn't warm up to her quick at all. But once she did, my mom saw, saw the kind of person my wife was and the, the absolute sacrifices my wife made to help raise my three sons that are not her flesh and blood. And she took that responsibility on and we've been together for 12, 13 years now, been married for 10. And my mom, even when my mom called, every time my mom called, would tell me to tell my wife how proud she was of her, how, what kind of mother she was, how how grateful she is for the for her to be in the kid's life. And it, it was one of those things where my mom admitted to me that she was wrong. She was wrong about my wife. And I respected my mom immensely for that because mothers always think they're right and that she wasn't right in this point. And that's one of the one of the things my mom was most happy about that she was wrong, and she was able to admit that because my wife has been a godsend for these kids and for me. Um, you know, my wife wasn't wasn't able to be there for me when my mom passed because I had to go because I didn't know how long my mom had, and I'm glad I did because at that moment, uh, if I would have waited the next day, I may not have been able to chance to see her alive. My heart breaks. Uh, it truly does. And, you know, having to go back to work and deal with other people's problems in the profession that I'm in is tough. You know, it takes time and it, it takes energy to to have to talk to people and, you know, work on their problems. But it's part of the job. I get it. But, you know, bereavement is uh, at work is one of those things where you think you would get a little bit more time. Two weeks is, is definitely not enough time to get back to work and be functioning correctly the way you need to function. It's a struggle every day. You know, uh, depression hit me real quick. I was down and out, 
not acting the same, not feeling the same, not being the same. But everything happens like it's supposed to. The one thing my mom told me that she really wanted me to do was continue this. She wanted me to continue to do this. And it's been a hard year. It's been a hard year uh, for this. It's been a hard year for the podcast. But my mom wanted this for me. She wanted me to continue to do this because she felt I was good at this. And this is a hard game to be in. If you're not talking controversy, if you're not causing problems or, you know, edging people on, that's not what I do. You know, we I just try to have good conversations with people. And eventually it'll pay off. It, it may take a little longer now, but because, you know, I haven't been steady with it this year because of all the issues I've been going through. But I want to continue to do what I'm doing. You know, I love this. And the fact that my mother, you know, my biggest fan was my mom and anything that I did, my mom was my biggest fan, you know, from doing security for 12 years now to getting into, into finance. She was my biggest fan. She knew I can do anything I wanted to. It just took me a long time to get where I needed to go because I was lazy. I, you know, I wanted the fast way. I wanted the, the easy money, but that's not how it works, man. Some people are lucky. Don't get me wrong. Luck plays a lot into it. I got lucky by getting my foot in the door in the finance. I was doing security and I was able to get my foot in the door and and, and my career's taken off since. But you always need somebody to root for you. My mom was my biggest supporter, my biggest supporter out of everybody besides next to my wife, obviously. My wife is with me all the time and now my wife is my number one supporter, but my mom was my biggest supporter, you know. She would let me know what she thinks I'm doing wrong, what areas to improve in. Um, and I listen. As a kid, when your parents do that, you don't listen. But as you get older, you see it, what they were trying to do. You see what they're trying to instill in you and do what they need to do. I will always miss my mother. I will always love my mother. There was no other woman like my mother. There will never be another woman like my mother. There is no mother figure out there that can take her place because I had a full life with my mother. Uh, Rufus Stella, um, I love you. I know we'll see each other again someday. But for now, I have to continue on and be strong for my kids, be strong for my wife, uh, make sure to, to let my brothers know that they're not alone, um, that they still have us, they still have me. They still have a niece and they still have nephews that just because my mom is not here doesn't mean we need to split the family apart. Because what happens is when the matriarch normally passes in a family, depending how fractured the family is or how together the family is, everybody goes their own way. Just like when my grandmother passed. When my grandmother passed on my father's side, man, that was a whole thing. And everybody, a lot of people went their own way. A lot of people did their own thing and it's not, you know, because some cousins still talk to each other. Some cousins are close. Sometimes they have any group gatherings, but it's like out of sight, out of mind. You know, and I'm just hoping that doesn't happen. And I'm hoping that, you know, my brothers know that I'm here because that's what my mom would have wanted. That's the one thing my mom would have wanted. And that's the one thing I try to instill in my sons, too. At the end of the day, all you have is each other. And I want my brothers to know that I'm here for them. And I will always be here for them, whether we talk or not. Just like brothers, we fight. You know, I told my brother to F off two weeks before my mom passed because we were fighting. But that's what brothers do. 
But at the end of the day, we came together and we know we love each other and we know we have different personalities. We're supposed to. But the one thing that we are sure of is I will fight anybody for my brothers. You try to hurt my family, I'm going to hurt you right back. And my mom wanted that. My mom wanted us to be brothers because that's what we are. I'm hurting. <laughs> I'm hurting so much right now. Uh, and the best therapy for me to do is do what I'm doing right now is being on a microphone and talking and having conversations and just being real and just there's pain there, man. I can't hide it. As, as much as I try to hide the pain, I can't. It's written all over my face when I'm at work. It's written on my face when I'm at home. But how do you quantify that loss? How do you quantify it? That's a seismic, seismic shift in my life. Knowing that I can't expect those calls anymore from my mom or those little messages you used to leave on the WhatsApp app or the back and forth pictures or the jokes, you know, the video calls where she would talk to the kids. How do you replace that? You can't. We can only hang on. We can only hang on to the memories. And make sure that we honor her memory by loving each other and by me continuing to do the things I need to do to make sure my children live a healthy and productive life as she did for me. So rest in peace, Ma. I'll see you again. And hopefully it'll be a long time before that happens so I can be around for my kids the way you were around for me. I want to thank you, folks. And I will see you again. Have a good one.